This is the Rich Dad Stockcast with Andy Tanner, the show that kicks 401ks in the asphalt and teaches you to be the master of your own stock investing domain. And here's your host, Greg Arthur. Okay, welcome to the show. This show I'd like to call Why Stocks Are the Safest Place to Invest Your Money. Um, I used a very strong word, safest, which Andy usually struggles with. But, yeah, I um, always struggle with that one. <laughs> but uh, I, I just did some reading, and Andy, I know you did some reading too. And it really convinced me that the stock market is almost set up so it can never fail. And I, again, st- too strong a word to say never. Holy cow. I'm glad we're going to have a talk today. Yeah, I know. You're going to straighten me out. But so th- this article is, I can't remember this guy's first or last name, but it was Lacey somebody. Do you remember his name? I think you read it too. And uh, and this guy, he made a really strong point that two, two points, the Federal Reserve will always be pumping money into the economy through banks and the stock market. And so be, because of that, the stock markets will always go up and they're the safest place to put your money knowing that the largest institution in the world, the one that controls the money that has all the power, believes they need to keep propping that up. And the second point is, that's the only way they can do it because the banks don't disseminate the money they give them. And so there's only one way to put the money and that's in the stock market. So, and treasury and bonds, sorry. So Andy, do you agree or disagree with that article? I, I disagree. Um, I I, I've, you know, I think the title instead of this, the, instead of why, instead of the stock market's the safest place to your money, I think we should turn it into a question is, is the stock market a safe place to put your money? I think that's a better way to look at it because, uh, well, let's, let's just start with the beginning. Okay. So if one of the things I study, and it's funny because my business partner who is in charge of our education arm is I said to him a few months ago, I said, I want to do a class on monetary policy. And he said, no one's going to buy that class. I go, it doesn't matter. I want to give it away for free. He goes, it won't matter. No one wants to learn about it. Because when they hear the word monetary policy, they want to kill themselves, right? Hey, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I hear that word. For, you know what? I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Not only do I not want anything to do with it, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Because now you're talking about crazy rich people, now, government stuff I don't understand. It has and nothing. That's why. And so here's the thing. If it doesn't have anything to do with you, then why would I do the class? Yeah, no, no, I get it. But that's my first response. When you that's say the first reaction, right? Like, shut and up. I don't so, care. And it's so dangerous, isn't it? It's so dangerous. What if I said I was going to show you the most important rules of money? If you wanted to be rich and I said, I'm going to show you the rules of money, would that be interested to you? Yeah, maybe you should call okay, it. What's that. another word for rules that starts with a P? <laughs> I'm going to guess you're going with policy here. And what's another rule for money that ends with starts with an M and a Y? <laughs> so monetary policy means the rules for our money. And if you're going to play the game, you need to know the rules. I'm not, so not going to say it for you. I'm and the gonna... rules of our money, the rules of our money have changed, tremendously changed. Um, and the rules and what the Fed can do and can't do is changing. All the time, and it's expanding, not contracting. So let's, yeah, yeah. Wait, let's wait, 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 wait. You just said that the rules are changing all the time. So yes, you want to teach the rules, you have to be updating your rules all the time. You really do. Which so is what's why the, the point advi- of learning them? They're going to change as soon as I figure it out. Which is why the advice culture is so scary, right? Because today's advice that might be good is terrible tomorrow. 
So a person, you know, and, and it's really about whether they want to work at it. Like I'm not here to convince anyone to learn this. If <laughs> someone says, I don't want to learn it, it's, all right. But understand that that person says, I'm willing to take on the consequences of financial ignorance. Okay, that's fine. But I put it out there. Boil this down. You're going to tell me that I need to learn this because it actually. No. Wait, 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 wait. It actually affects me as an individual. uh, I'm not going to tell anyone how they learn anything. They don't have to learn anything they want. I just don't take that posture. Does it affect you? Yep. If you go to the grocery store, it affects you. If you want to invest, it affects you. If you have a paycheck, it affects you. If you have a mortgage, it affects you. If you pay interest of any kind, it affects you. And the the danger is, is people say, well, they're not... There, there is a, there is a very, da- there's a mindset of wealth that's important because wealth is about hard freaking work is what it is. The rich don't work for money. They work to learn. The reason people like to work for money is because it's easier than working to learn. Working for money doesn't cause as much headache as working to learn because I got to struggle through stuff. I got to learn stuff. Makes my head hurt, blah, blah, blah. But that's why Buffett is who he is. It's not because he was genetically programmed to be a zillionaire. Guy studies every day. So let's start with this conversation with monetary policy and Ben Bernanke. So there was a term in the meltdown of, in the subprime meltdown of 2007 and 2008, right around in there, Ben Bernanke decided to print a whole bunch of money and change the rules. So the rules were the Fed could buy treasury bonds. That's They could print money by treasury bonds. Bonds. The change in the rule says we can print money and we can buy uh, collateralized debt obligations or MBSs, mortgage-backed securities. So that's a major change. Then rather than buying something that was backed by the full faith and credit of the United States, a treasury bond, they're not going to buy private stuff that are really toxic. We had this TARP program, you know, the toxic asset protection, whatever it was. So that's a pretty big change. Well, all of a sudden people said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we can screw up majorly, if we can make bad loans to people that can't pay them back and we can take those and package them and then sell them on Wall Street for Bear Stearns or more importantly, Goldman, Uh, If we can do that, then why should we be responsible capitalists? Uh, Because that's not capitalism. Capitalism means you screw up, you freaking fail. The irony of that is, is that Evergrande is in in communist China, and China is acting, they'll probably buckle, but they're acting like, no, we're going to let you freaking fail. Wait, before we go to China. So there's no Bernanke put. Now, now put option. Wait, 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 wait. You just said they bailed out the real estate, right? They bailed out the banks. Okay. Who made bad real estate loans? Really bad loans. Now, how, how horrible has the real estate market hap- gone since then? Been fantastic. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Well, it hurt until they bailed it out. Until, yeah, the Federal Reserve. A lot of people lost in. their butt. And they insured it, basically. Yeah, and so they call it the Bernanke put. Now, a put option is a guarantee that allows you to sell your stuff if it goes bad, which is exactly what the Fed did. We'll, we'll let you sell our stuff to us. The Fed will buy it if it goes bad. And so there, there's this term that came out called the Bernanke put. And then it turned into the Yellen put. 
Now it turns into the Powell put. And I just call it the Fed put. Because what you're really saying at the top of the show is, it's like, well, why not invest with reckless abandon in financial institutions like banks and stocks? Because no matter how bad things get and how detached from fundamentals they get, they're just going to print more money and prop it up uh, forever. And so that is exactly what I'm saying, because like you just said, the real estate market, we have a history of seeing this and it's worked out great. Well, now let me let me. I feel like I'm playing the devil's advocate there. We have a very, very short history of seeing this. Okay. We don't have 150 years of seeing this. We have about 12 years of seeing this. Um, And there are ramifications. You know, people point to Japan and say, well, their debt GDP is, you know, 250 for 20 years. Well, yeah, they have 100 year mortgages. And to create a legacy for kids over there is very difficult to do. And even though it's a patriarchal culture. Okay, but so, but we've had this conversation before too. I, I go to Japan. They are living the same quality life I am. And so it doesn't look like, at least from the outside, well, it doesn't look like, like they are getting any negative benefits because. They- I will tell you this, a person that has a hundred year mortgage and a person that has a 30 year mortgage looks the same. Their financial statement doesn't. The legacy they live to their kids certainly doesn't. And their relationship with the bank is much different. But their cars are the same. The food they eat's the same. They still live in a nice house. For now. They're, they now. still have medical. Yeah. So, but here's the real question is, we, we have a history. <laughs> well, we had a history for a long time that there'd never be a four minute mile broken. We had a history a long time where you'd build a building and they wouldn't fly planes into it. We had a history for a long time where we had gold backing our dollar. We had a history. And so I don't buy, you know, I, I remember Robert Kiyosaki called me one time and he said, hey, someone's pitching me on a rich dad ETF. And he says, what do you think? I said, run for your life. And I said, he goes, will you talk to these guys? I says, yeah, have them call me. So these guys, basically, they saw rich dad as a huge brand. And they said, look, we have a rich dad ETF. Look how many people will buy it. As many people as bought the book will buy the ETF. And their whole purpose was just to make money. That was it. It wasn't to bring any value. I said, well, what trading system do you going to use to make this ETF profitable? They go, we don't care. I said, well, what one do you want? He goes, let's use yours. You're the rich dad advisor. I said, how do you know mine will work? He says, oh, we'll backtest it. And right then I knew I was talking to idiots. You backtesting? Let me tell you something. There, there was a long time where we didn't have cryptocurrencies. There was a long time where we didn't have cell phones, a long time where we didn't have the internet, a long time Things, are, things change. So to say, oh, we have a 10-year history of, of the Bernanke put working out, or I live the same in Japan. As a risk manager, I'm always thinking about the new high, the new low, the, the big, you know, well, this is the biggest crash we've ever had in history. We'll never have that again. No, we will. Every record in the NBA is going to be broken. Someone's going to beat Stockton's assist and steals record someday. It's going to happen. Someone is going to, like every Olympics, there's a new world record set every time. I don't think we've ever had Olympics where all the sports fell short of someone making a new world record. It's going to happen. So I don't get very excited about people pointing to the past saying, well, it never happened before, right? No, it's the future I care about. It's the future, right? Up until someone's unfaithful to their wife, it never happened before. (laughs) And then it happens. So really, really important to say, 
what can I go on beyond history? Well, if there's a Bernanke put, we have to ask the strength of that source. And the question is simply this, can a Ponzi scheme work in perpetuity? That is the question. Is there such thing a way for a Ponzi scheme to go into perpetuity? For Bernie Madoff, the answer was no. For Ponzi himself, hence the name, the answer was no. Is that it's very, very difficult to borrow from one source to pay off the old source in perpetuity. You know, in the game of basketball, I teach my kids something called fundamentals. The word fundamental denotes things that are vital to a process being successful. If I go to the doctor, they're going to have certain fundamental things they check. BMI, cholesterol, blood pressure, heart rate, vital signs of vitality. Vital means they got to be there. If I take those fundamentals away, they can punch adrenaline in my heart and say, well, he's been alive for the last five minutes. Well, he's kept him alive for 10 minutes. Why not in perpetuity? And I will just tell you this. That, that, and I could be totally wrong, by the way, because I'm a student, not an expert. I always position myself that way because it's safer and it's true. I'm a student, not an expert. But in my opinion, a fundamental to a business is to provide value to a customer for it to work. If you're not providing value to a customer, it doesn't work. And so the way you know whether you're doing that is by sales. If people are paying rent because they appreciate staying in your house. If they leave, you weren't giving them value. If people are buying Coca-Cola or Dairy Queen or Fruit Loom underwear or Heinz ketchup, you know you were giving them value for their dollar. The problem is, is the prices of these companies and these real estate projects as they grow are not coming because they're attractive business earning money. They're coming because they're the least, like my wife, just took a took second place in a bodybuilding contest. I think she should have won it, right? But they were, you know, anyone that's there, just because there's six people there, maybe in, in her stage class, doesn't mean all of them are fit. And so you might wind up with one with all unfit people and you have someone 500 pounds win it because everyone else was seven, 800, 900 pounds, right? On, on, on the scale. And so, and so the question is, is, is it the safest place? I don't think it is. Wait, I don't know. How, I don't know how you can say that because then you have to identify a safer place. No, no, you can have the whole bill. You can have the whole city burn. If there's an earthquake in San Francisco, you can say, look, it's just, you don't want to be in San Francisco, right? Find me the safest building in San Francisco. They could all tumble with a strong enough earthquake. That's called risk. And you take risk when you invest and education is to manage that risk. My question is this, you have to show me, someone has to show me why, and Stephanie Kelton has tried and Warren Mosley has tried, but I do not see a Ponzi scheme working in perpetuity before someday the gravity of those fundamental things that matter, serving people matters. And eventually that gravity, in my opinion, will take hold. And okay. the stock market will come back. If you look at the charts, you want to talk about history? When you had the crash of 0708, where did the stock market fall to? I don't know. Fell right back down to about $15 per uh, PE, 15 PE, 
which is historically where the mean has been for the last 120 years. That's been about where people see value. Right now, it's almost 40. So you're telling me, why am I paying $40 for the same dollar that I used to pay $15 to get in terms of giving value to customers? Okay, but I feel you changed the words we're using. You're saying, is our stocks impossible to fail? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, are they the safest place? You know, the safest place, it, it really depends on whether you have deflation or inflation, because you can't, you know, stagflation is always a, a question to talk about, but generally you have inflation or deflation. If you have inflation, uh, stocks are a fantastic place to be. If you have deflation, no, not so much. Um, then they're not a safe place. Because inflation so, makes prices of things go up. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to be safe during deflation, cash is your safest place. But if you have inflation, cash is your least safe place and debt is your safest place. And just to, I'm going to give you a quick plug. That's actually why you created that free course, the um, macroeconomics course, which you it can is. get access to in the show notes, people. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, look, it's not an easy course. Look, it's not like some freebie I throw out there. Uh, like a sample at Costco for people to try necessarily. It's a whole meal. Okay. This, why did I, I mean, if I want to do a freebie, I teach for a half hour, right? This is like five, six hours of training. So when you go in the voting booth, you do it better. Not that I care where you vote for <laughs> when you, when you consume stuff at the grocery store, that connective tissue that you were talking about earlier about how does this affect me? Yeah. Take that class and you'll walk out of there saying, okay, this is important for me to continue to study and keep my pulse on. So I'll, I'll tell you myself, I, I actually study this quite a bit. Um, and I study it because I have limited resources and I need to make my best guess. Is it going to go inflation or deflation? And then I invest based on <laughs> the very limited knowledge I have, which is why I keep trying to learn more because it oh. does change yeah. the way I invest in the direction I invest. The, the important thing is we've had this conversation before about limited resources. You know, it really begins with a person's mind. You know, it really does. It, it begins with a person's mind and their See, beliefs. That's very limited right there for me. It, it, it's about their beliefs, right? I mean, what do you believe you can achieve? What do you believe you can and can't do? That's Blair Singer's department probably more than mine. But I, I, I will tell you that being prepared for both, I don't like the idea of guessing my best guess. You have to, I obviously have to buy some, I have to make a guess. But I also very much believe in all four pillars, the fourth being risk management, because I'm just unwilling. Look, everyone has their choice. You can either say, I don't care, I'm going to work at a job the rest of my life. If I lose one, I'll find another one, figure it out. That's a life you can choose. A person could choose that life. Other people are going to say, look, I'm going to put all my bet here. If it works out, it's going to be awesome. And if it doesn't, it's going to suck. That sounds like Vegas to me. The third one is the one I attempt to try to do, which is the hardest of the three. It's hardest emotionally. It's hardest mentally. It's, it takes a context. Is I'm going to make my best guess, like you said, but I'm going to create plan B and plan C as best I can because I'm wrong so much. And I've been wrong so many times. <laughs> that I've just learned that that little Boy Scout idea of pre be prepared has to be a bigger idea than I'm taking my best guess and going with it because your best guess can be wrong. And the, what's really sucks is it can, it can wipe you out in fluctuation. 
you can plan for inflation and one bout of deflation can wipe you out and set you years behind. You can plan for deflation and one bout of inflation. The fact is in your life, you probably have both several times. And so it's really hard to just say, I'm going to go here and stick with it because this is a fluid environment. It's, it's like playing a basketball game. You know, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you see a zone, sometimes you see a man, you know, sometimes the refs are good. Sometimes they let you play. Um, it's just very fluid every time you get into the game. And it really comes down to two things, temperament, how temperament your, your temper is. If you have a bad temper, that's rough, it makes life hard. And then number two is your education, but you got to have both. You can't have a bad temperament. No good education, no amount of education can compensate for bad temperament. And no amount of good temperament can compensate for ignorance. You got to have both, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. I want to take you back though. So the statement early on was the stock market is the safest place because it's basically backed by the Federal Reserve, which in my opinion is the most powerful organization in the world. Um, and even the Federal Reserve has said that they aim for inflation. There, Yeah. Oh, Joan Powell was testifying with Janet Yellen to the House committee the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, he said it. He says, look, we've overshot inflation. And, and they're saying and then they tried to pin him down. They go, well, you say it's transitory. How long is transitory? He says, well, I don't know. And then they says, well, if you don't know, how can you say it's transitory? You know, if you say it's short term, how how short is the term? He goes, well, I don't know. So they kind of tried to pin him down and he dodged. And that's just politics. Yeah, yeah. But they're the ones that make the money. And we know how they spend the money, which is yeah. in the stock they buy, market. They buy treasuries. They've and also publicly said they want to keep some level of inflation always going. 2% is what they want. Yep. So <laughs> the question is, can they do that? And right now they're failing. They failed. Uh, I don't know. They keep an inflation going great. No, no, no. Look, they have failed to get 2% because oh, if sure, the engine sure. gets too hot, it overheats. If it gets too cold, it won't start. They haven't hit it yet. In his tenure, he hasn't hit it. He's been either short of it or he's now he's overextended. To, they either overshoot it to, to just get right there and manage this thing perfectly. Oh, man, it's nuts. So my, my confidence in the Federal Reserve, you don't want to fight the Fed but I don't know that I trust them with my family because I don't, I don't think, I just don't think a Ponzi scheme works in perpetuity. I've never seen it work. Uh, maybe it can work. Look, Bernie Madoff kept it going for a lot of years, right? Well, his other clients are doing okay. I mean, I, he, uh, they've been doing fine, but when the house of cards comes down, that history is erased. It doesn't matter what happened. So I would just say, as I always do, these are, perilous times, unparalleled and perilous. Um, I, I'm going to rephrase the, I'm going to rename the show at the end. The show is the stock market's the safest place to put money. That's a context that's incorrect because it's a context that believes the asset class is the key to your success rather than you. I've been saying this a lot lately, hoping that when I say it, it resonates in people's hearts. So I'll say it here and see if it works. Your movement towards your goals, whether you're successful or not, will probably be determined by what you learn in terms of your personal development in these skills. In other words, your investing goals are more likely to be achieved because of some type of personal development in terms of learning and behavior and discipline and temperament. 
an improvement in myself is probably the safest thing. I, 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 look, is the stock market, you're, when you say the stock market is safe, we are taking out the most important element. So let me take a couple of examples. Let's take three. Let's take my mom, you, and Warren Buffett. Okay, all three of you go on the stock market. Is it safe? <laughs> let's you, let's I'm gonna you go, I'm gonna go with no. Let's you and I trade options this month. Let's make all of our income come from options. I have to do it and you have to do it. Ready, go. Is it safe for us? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with yeah. Okay, let's do it. I, I know your strategy for it. Let's do it. You, you taught me. I'm gonna well, put options go. on a fundamentally strong. What about my mom? Well, okay. Your mom's probably not watching the show. My mom's definitely not watching this show. I so, can guarantee you that I can even curse. I, I can even <laughs> say like, damn it, you know, because she hates that. She'll never see it. So, but, so no offense. Let's forget your mom. and Let's talk about the people watching the show. But, but really, when you think about it, what's the point? What do you think the point I was trying to make was? Oh, I get it. You have to develop yourself. Uh, you also talked about your temperament as well as your education. Yeah. And that's why they're on their so list. The so, so the point is, is the safety found in the stock market or in the real estate market or in cash, or is the safety found in my temperament, my development, my skills? So the safest place, I think the safest place to be as an investor right now is an area of intelligence, smarts. That's, that's in temperament. That's okay, where the safety is. It's uh, not so about obviously, that. I'm going to agree with that, but... Part of the part of the studying, it does guide you to a direction. Like I'm studying to find a direction. So my study, my personal development has led me to, hey, the stock markets, that's pretty safe. Until it isn't. But at some point you take your education, your knowledge, and you take action. Yeah. When people ask me about investing in the stock market, I'll tell you how to make it safe. Learn four things. Learn fundamentals, learn how to analyze a company, learn technicals, learn how to look at a stock chart, learn cash flow and how to pull money out of it, which is how you position yourself. And here's the big one, learn risk management, because then when you're wrong, you are safe. But without that fourth one, the third help you do what you want to do is find that direction to go to. I have to too. That fourth one is the most important one because what if you're wrong? Because I've been wrong before and I'll probably, you and I will probably both be wrong again. I'm a parent. I'm wrong every day. So position sizing, um, you know, insurance, put option protection, you know, all of those types of things, um, you know, Delta hedging in my case, uh, I don't trust the federal reserve in perpetuity. I just don't. That's fair. And, and in fairness, you teach all four of those pillars, like right. you said, and, and I, I, I've taken your course and it's phenomenal. That's I'm, where the safety a little here, but the yeah, comes from what I know about Delta hedging, what I know about position sizing, what I know about protective puts. Those are the things, what I know about sector rotations. Uh, that's where the safety comes. It's not the stock market safe. All right. All That's right. like saying my house is safe. Hey, look, I, I've, I've lived in a house since I, you know, I moved out of my home. Um, I've never had a home burn down on me in 53 years of life. So why should I expect a home to burn down? I've been, it's been working for 53 years. Why should I buy insurance? 
what what makes my home safe is the insurance not that it's not impenetrable to burning down that's how you make the stock market safe is you insure it okay two things two things one everybody and andy hates this you can get his stock his uh four pillars cash flow class if you look in the show notes there's there's links there second this has been my whole argument with you i'm saying the federal reserve actions are the insurance and if the insurance company fails just like with your house so if if i my house burns down and all state is bankrupt and they don't have a check to send me you still lost so is my house safe Maybe it was the safest. The safest is the word. Not, I guess not, the question is, so so I'm going to have you, I'm going to invite you to take that monetary course and look at the balance sheet because the Fed's balance sheet has grown from 1 trillion to 8, one, 1 trillion to 4 trillion, and then another 4 trillion in one year, and they want to do another seven this year. So in a balance sheet, if, if all states' liabilities grew exponentially like that, I'm raising my eyebrows saying, wow, guys, the only way you can keep doing this is printing more, printing more, printing more, and you're going to say inflation is transitory. I mean, I don't know what, per, what, how many hundreds of percents that is to go from one to, you know, it's over a thousand percent. We're not going to have any inflation problems. If we don't, beware, because that means the deflationary pressure is overwhelming. It means the amount of insulin we need to keep that diabetic alive is certainly not healthy. Right, right. You know, it's just medicine. So you, you're right, Greg, let me play your advocate. Look, you are right that there are many people who are investing heavily in the stock market because they feel the, the bailout was there before and it's not capitalism to let things not, you know, not to let them fail. It started with LTCM, long-term capital management. You know, you've talked to Jim Rickard, so have I. And Jim about fell out of his chair when he went to the Fed and said, look, we're going to fail that's going to domino the whole Wall Street. So good luck. The Fed said, oh, I guess we better bail them out. And sure enough, they bail, they bail out Bear Stearns and Lehman because no one liked them, but they bailed out the ones that needed to be. And uh, they did it. And, and there looks like they're trying to do it again. If you look at the Fed's balance sheet in 2019, I show you this in my class. I show you the day they changed. They rather trying to unwind it. They, the whole thing was about unwinding that, you know, going from, from a billion to four or from a trillion to four trillion, you're going to unwind it. Right before COVID hit, they said, no, nah, I don't think we're going to unwind it. I think this is the new standard. We're going to, we're going to wind it up. So instead of trying to get out of the Ponzi scheme, they said, no, we're going to embrace the Ponzi scheme. In my opinion, I'm just, it's just an opinion. I could be dead wrong. I just think fundamentally you got to give value to have your business grow and be, be profitable. And right now we're detached from that. We're just buying businesses with, you know, printed cash basically. Yes. So I'll say this for you just to make you smile here. Obviously, fundamentals are, are by far the, the better strategy. I, I hope so. I mean, how can they not? Because the good news is they can benefit from fundamentally, both. There's still some good values out there. I mean, I was looking uh, with, uh, with one of my business partners in our mentor club and addressing this very thing with the stock market all time highs. Is there any value left? And we found some good value, I, I feel. Yeah, why not? You get the value of the fundamental, no fundamental, the fundamentals, plus you get the value of the Federal Reserve. It's a double win. And if the Federal Reserve fails, you still got your other win. So hopefully if the Federal Reserve fails, we're prepared 
um, for hyperinflation or mass, maybe not hyper, but significant, like double digit inflation. Um, and hopefully we're prepared for double digit deflation that we could have you know, brutal um, prices drop and then cash would be, look, Warren Buffett has $140 billion in cash. Apple has a ton of cash sitting in uh, Ireland that they wanna pay taxes on. There are some big people that are in cash. And I think it's, I think Buffett keeps, I don't know Buffett, but I think he keeps cash around just in case there's deflation he wants to pounce and get a bargain. Because in deflation, there's a, there's a, uh, a quote by Charlie Munger on CNBC about this very thing we're talking about, about this printing and this stuff. And Charlie Munger said, if they continue to do this, it winds up looking something like Venezuela. That's not me. That's Charlie Munger. Yeah. I, been around longer than me. I'm not arguing it'll work. I'm arguing that right now it's a great insurance package, but Andy, we do got to end the show. Great conversation. Yeah, obviously, thank you so much. And everybody, you, I got the show notes and get more Andy Tanner. But seriously, thank you. I love uh, it. I do truly agree with what you're saying. I just wanted to throw some curveballs at you. It's your, no, it's your job to, well, but intelligence exists when we see both sides of the point at the edge. There's three sides. And it's such an important discussion to have because the, the pal put is a thing and people believe in it. And it's just, okay, if you believe in the pal put, you got to believe in the pal put. Yep, fair enough. Thanks, All right, Eddie. Thanks a lot. Bye. Right, bye.